We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. All right, I'd like to give you a special episode of Transformative Principal. I just had the opportunity to interview uh, Principal Kefele, who spoke at the Alaska Principals Conference, and it was amazing. And... His uh, book, The Principle 50, talks about the 50 questions that administrators need to ask and really inspiring and uh, great presentation from him today. If you look on uh, my blog, jethrojones.com, you'll see the notes I took and you can try to get an idea of the amazing things that he talked about there. Really a great opportunity and I learned a ton from it and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with him and thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones, and you can follow the podcast at facebook.com slash transformative principle. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am honored to be here today with uh, Principal Kefele, who is a keynote speaker here at the Alaska Principals Conference. The theme here is the passionate present principle, and Principal Kefele definitely exhibits those characteristics and gave a really inspiring keynote this morning and helped us all focus on how we can be better. So thank you for being here, first of all, Principal Kefele. And you spoke about setting your goal of being a principal early in your keynote. Was there any time when you had doubt where you thought maybe this isn't going to work when you thought maybe you weren't cut out to be a, a school principal? No, I never had doubt in this business. Once I knew that this was what I wanted to do, I just felt that it was for me. And I think that that's why I can say that I was born to do this work. You know, when I think of the various things I could do, I'm doing just what I should be doing. I just always felt confident. The only the only thing that discouraged me, there's from time to time, there can be some politics that's set in with any any job. In my case, the principalship. And, and that's something that I had to learn how to maneuver in order to still do the things that I wanted to do. How do I maneuver around the politics of education so that I can continue to do those things which I deem most necessary to see young people soar at the highest levels. 
Great. Can you give some examples of how you uh, overcome the political issues in education? Some advice for us of how we can do it too? Yeah, an example would be those things that I feel that I need to do, first of all, I'm very passionate about. So if I have, say, a superintendent who's very passionate about something, an activity, a program, whatever it is, that I think runs counter to everything I stand for, everything I believe in, then political portion is, well, how do I proceed on doing it the way that I know works, knowing that this other program may be detrimental or may not be as productive? So it's a matter of knowing how to deal with people, being a people person, knowing how to deal with people. In this case, your superior, how to engage in that conversation without coming across threatening, insubordinate, but just stating your position that... I think that this works best for my kids because my kids are with me every day and I know my kids better than anybody else would know them and yet not coming across as offensive in doing so. So I've been in that situation numerous times and came out victoriously because I knew how to to deal with it, how to talk to an individual without creating that level of friction or tension that could arise if I didn't do it correctly. Yeah, that's great. One of the other things that you talked about was when you were an assistant principal for one year, you had a principal who did not, who was threatened by you or who did not like the way that you were doing things. Can you talk a little bit about how you dealt with those issues and how you overcame that? Yeah, it was, um, I say, you know, in my capacity as consultant, I always say to principals that you must train your assistant principal to one day sit in your chair. You cannot be threatened by nor intimidated by this individual who's essentially your right arm, he's, he's, he or she is on your team. So the assistant principalship, unless that person is a career assistant principal, that's all they want to do, then that person needs to be trained to take to one day assume the principalship. So must be exposed to all the facets of, of school leadership. So in my case, I wasn't exposed to anything, literally anything except cafeteria duty, bus duty, and suspending kids. So, but the superintendent knew enough of me that he knew what I had, despite despite the fact I didn't get to manifest it, and went on and hired me, went on and appointed me a year later to become the principal. So I had to learn on the job, and I did because I was so hungry. I wanted it so badly that I literally taught myself. I, I certainly looked at others, talked to others, but I taught myself how to do this, and I guess I did a pretty decent job. Great. You talk a lot about helping African-American students and especially males be successful. You shared a story about finding successful young African-American men and getting their story so that you can help other young men become successful. What's your advice for those of us who are not African-American? How can we help in that and help support young African-American youth? Yeah, the beauty is because the question comes up all the time and it particularly comes up from women, white women, who say to me, I hear you, I respect everything you said, but look at you and look at me, can I experience the same success? And I always say to them, absolutely, because that boy, that young man, is not necessarily looking at me or giving me credit because I'm a black male, nor discrediting you because you're a white woman. He wants to know if you're in his corner. He wants to know if you care. He wants to know if you're willing to do the things that you have to do to make you, to put you in position to meet him where he is. So when we bring that level of commitment, dedication to him, then we're going to be just as successful as, as that black male that may look like that kid because of how bad we want it. 
How do I know that? Because I've seen those success stories. I've, I've seen that non-African-American man or woman who just said, I am going to give this kid everything I've got and see tremendous, extraordinary success as a result. Because this teacher was looked well beyond race and ethnicity rel- relative to him or herself, but recognized that he is a black male and he's got to be prepared to function in society as a black male. So I'm going to make sure that I do the things that I have to do to get him ready. So absolutely is doable. Great. One of the things that we struggle with here in Alaska is reaching our native Alaskan youth, which have some of the some similar challenges that uh, young African-American men face where they've been persecuted. They've been marginalized. They've been treated poorly in history. What's your advice for specifically Alaska native youth? It's, it's pretty much the same. It, it's all rooted into what the degree or extent are we culturally responsive to every learner in the classroom? Are we going to treat that Alaskan youth, that whomever youth, as generic? Or are we going to be very specific and look at that kid? It's just the same thing, me as a speaker. No way in the world that the message that's heard in one city is going to be the same message delivered the same way in the next city until I've done the audience analysis and analyze who's sitting in those chairs what type of conversations they may be having, what's their demeanor, what kind of fire, what kind of passion, what kind of humor, what kind of energy will I bring to that speech based on not what I want to present, but based on who's sitting in the audience. So it works the same way in the classroom. I remember last, today's Sunday, so last Saturday, I did a keynote address in Portland. Well, I knew what kind of audience it was. I gave a very fiery speech. I gave another keynote the other day in Georgia. Different audience completely That fiery speech would not have worked there. Then I'm here today in Anchorage, and I know who's in this audience. That speech from Saturday and the speech from Georgia will not work here. I had to make sure that I looked at this audience, studied the audience. I don't mean race, ethnicity. I just mean composition of the audience. And then make a decision as to what approach would be best to make connections with as many as I possibly can. Well, the classroom works the same way. Who's in my audience? Who are my students? And in what way does this lesson speak directly to that student so that if I took a photograph of the entire classroom and gave every kid a copy of that photo, knowing that that kid will look for himself first before he or she looks for someone else in the photo, will that youngster see him or herself in the photo? So in other words, if we can take the photo and transfer it to curriculum and instruction, is that kid represented in that curriculum and thereby that instruction? That's the bottom line. Wow, that's a really good analogy that uh, that you use there because we do look for ourselves in pictures first and want to see how we look and we want to find ourselves first and then we worry about finding others. And I really appreciate you drawing that that parallel. One of the things that you talked about was being passionate and present and how you've got to give everything to these kids. One of the things that my listeners struggle with is how do we find balance? How do we make balance? You... I believe you mentioned you've got two sons and a daughter. And how do you find time for your own kids and find time for the kids that you're serving? Typically, I spend the bulk of my summer on the road. And then during the school year, I balance it out. I'll go a week on the road, for example. Then I'll spend a week at home or two weeks. And then I'll go back on the road. So balance it out so that I don't miss any aspects of my, in this case, my daughter's life. My oldest son is 25. He graduated from undergrad school a few years back, and my, my youngest son is away in school. He's a senior, so I wouldn't see him 
anyway because he's in school. But my daughter is the one in question. She's 16, 16-year-old junior. So I got to make sure that I don't miss her life. So I make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm out. I do this work. They understand it's my mission. But it also pays the bills. And that way I can go out and do the work I do. And then I come home and just kick back for a week or two weeks, get rejuvenated, work on my presentations, and then go back out. And that way I'm able to maintain that balance. Okay, so it's basically taking time to do the work you need to do and then taking time to take care of your family. And what advice do you have for principals who know, you know, it takes a lot of time to be in classrooms all day and then do the paperwork aspect after the kids go home. What advice do you have for them about balancing? Yeah, well, knowing that before they sign that contract to become that principal, knowing that the principalship requires a marriage, a marriage to the building. That's what it requires. Um, There's no way around that. So if one is in a relationship, that partner has to understand that I have married a person that also was married to a school. Because the principalship is not a nine to five. It's not a weekday job. It's not a daytime job. It's it's a 24-7. We breathe this thing. We sleep this thing. We imagine this thing. We eat this thing. Everything about it, it consumes us. But yet... We still got to find that balance. So we learn how to delegate over time as we become seasoned. Initially, that's going to be hard, but we learn how to delegate. We learn how to share some of those responsibilities. And ultimately, we can be freed up. Ultimately, we may not have to spend a day in a school on a Saturday or a Sunday outside of extracurricular activities, but the planning is we can do that at home. But we've got to grow into that. As, as, as the newer folks in this room, new, newer administrators, yeah, it requires a whole lot of our time. But as we learn the position, we're able to cut back to an extent, delegate some of that to other people, and then balance our lives. And as I said in the keynote, taking care of our health, something I've never, ever even felt qualified to say to anybody about watching one's health. But now that I had a heart attack, all related to the job, in my case, eating, not the workload, but just the eating that, that I had to do in order to do the job. It almost did me and it almost killed me. So now I remind principals, make sure that you're eating right. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself so that you can do this work or else you won't be around to help that kid get to where that kid needs to be. Yeah, that's really powerful. The last question is, what is one thing that principals can start doing this week to help them be transformative principals like you are? Two things briefly. Those principals that do not have a mission and a vision in place, some may say a mission statement, vision statement, but a mission and a vision that everybody, everyone has contributed to creating staff-wise and, and it becomes a part of us. If that's not in place, then they need to look at that immediately. The other thing is considering how that day starts. Is there somebody out there greeting those kids in the morning, meeting the principal, making sure that that kid feels welcomed into the school each and every day, and then that message of empowerment, that message of inspiration to set the tone to lay the foundation before we go any further. Those are two things that I feel are just major non-negotiables that must be in place in order for everything else to be successful in school. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. How can people connect with you and and learn more from you? Yeah, just go to principalcafele.com. I'm going to spell that, but principalcafele.com. Principal and then K-A-F as in Frank, E-L-E, principalcafele.com, and everything you need to know is right there on my on my website. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Principal Kefele. Really inspiring man who just is so full of passion and so 
serious about the work that he's doing that you just know he's impacting people's lives. One thing that he talked about was uh, when he had his heart attack that he mentioned, the doctor told him that he had to take off work and stay in bed for two months. And he said, I can't do that. There's kids out there dying and I make an impact and I need to be out there with them, helping them, helping teachers, helping principals make a difference. And uh, you can really tell that when you talk to him and uh, feel honored to have met him. Transformative Principal is a proud member of the Edu Podcast Network. If you want to learn something new, check out Jennifer Gonzalez's Cult of Pedagogy podcast. She's got a great website with beautiful design and produces really great content all the time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.